This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. It is finally a victory pod once more as we'll get to discuss Georgia State's 31-14 win over Army, their first of 2022. It's also hate week and we'll get you ready for the Panthers' upcoming game with in-state rival Georgia Southern. But first, let's talk about this Army win. It was a 31-14 win for the Panthers, but it looked like the Panthers might roll to their first win in the season after jumping out to a 17-0 halftime lead, but the Black Knights battled back and scored 14 unanswered to start the second half. Then, they were set up to take the lead with a first and goal at the sixth, but the Georgia State defense stood on its head and forced a stop on fourth down at the one. After withstanding another would-be Army go-ahead drive that ended in a failed fake punt, the Panthers went for the jugular and hit on a 57-yard Jakaius Cradle touchdown catch on third and five to make it 24-14 with just under three minutes left. After a Brightweiss Brown interception on the first play of Army's next drive, Tucker Gregg put the game completely beyond doubt with a 56-yard touchdown run, the school record 20th of his career. Greg ran for 124 yards, and Jamias Williams got 106 on the ground, giving Georgia State a pair of 100-yard rushers in the same game for the first time since 2019. So, gentlemen, what are our thoughts about this win over Army? That was a hilarious game, all things considered. Um, I'm so glad that they won it because if they did lose it, you know, I mean, you're 0-5, everything is still on fire, but... The way that they won that game, (laughs) the final score makes it seem like they won it in a way that you, you know, you kind of describe how teams are supposed to play, you know, a triple option team like Army. Um, But, you know, they didn't, it was really close all the way up until like three minutes left. And then Georgia State started hitting on the home run balls. And, you know, that's how they were able to push it to a 14 point lead. But again, hilarious game. It was like both misleading and not at all misleading because they did get out to that 17 point lead, 17, nothing first defensive shutout since Louisiana game last year on the road. And then army punched back. I mean, they kind of responded like you'd have expected a service Academy team to respond when you go down 17 at home at the half, they scored twice. They kind of controlled the game script for like the third quarter and about half of the fourth quarter but the defense bucked up and made maybe the biggest plays they'll make all year especially with what it could mean getting in the win column and what goes forward from here and then the offense took their shots at the end a really really ballsy call on that third and five instead of maybe forcing army to burn the last time out and coming up short and punting it away and then army's gonna have a little under three minutes and no timeouts to march down the field maybe get a field goal They went for the deep shot. Cradle beat his man off the line. Perfect throw from Granger. And then the rest was just, you know, cake at that point. Like it honestly probably felt good for the offense to get that last touchdown as well. I mean, Army was cheating there, like trying to get a turnover. Guy in the middle of the field just cut in to come in and try and get behind Tucker to get the ball out. And when he did that, there was literally no one left in the middle of the field. And so Tucker had nothing but green grass. Gets the score, gets the school record, and everyone feels good. Like I say, I don't think it's entirely misleading just on the balance of how well they were able to play in the first half and get that lead, but definitely Army made a game of it. And I think in the long run, winning a game like they had to 
is going to do dividends for them. Like, I think it is going to work out that they had to earn this one. And when late game execution had been letting them down the first few games and leading to some of the losses, it didn't in this one. It's why they won. And so that's something they can really hang their hat on heading into the rest of the season. And you're absolutely right about, you know, earning it. You know, we'll do our offense defense thing, but I I really just want to give a quick shout out right now to talk about the defense because they absolutely earned that win. Army, like you said, did kind of take things over in the second half. Georgia State had one offensive possession in the third quarter, which is an insane thing to think about. But, you know, that's the way that Army plays. Low, slow, take their time, you know, just kind of death by a thousand cuts. But the defense held strong. You know, they were able to get off the field, even, you know, even when they were put in some very, very precarious field positions. They were still able to force Army to get, you know, turnovers on downs or make an interception or, you know, the two fumbles in the first half. Like, I I know that they gave up, what, 14 points? But <laughs> it's easy to see why we've been saying that this defense has the talent to be a good defense because this is the game that has been underneath all of the other games that they've played this year. Like, you know, I think... Like I said, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but, you know, there are some there's still some plays left on the table for the defense, obviously. But the talent to play like this has been there all season. It's the same, more or less the same group of guys. Yeah, I mean, we can go defense first. I mean, for all the like we've been putting off. Of, OK, let's talk about the defense now after talking about the positives from the offense in some of these last couple of games. We should start with the defense because they ultimately were what won you the game, partly because of what they did in the fourth quarter, getting those two stops but also how they played in the first half. And, you know, I talked about it, I remember on the last pod, talking about how this wasn't going to be the game where you're going to be able to pin your ears back and get after the pass, uh, getting after the quarterback and affect the game that way, but that the front needed to have some more opportunistic, explosive plays, and you got those. The fumbles in the first half, two of them both in plus field position for Army, were really just unforced errors. Uh, One of them was a weird exchange on the mesh between the quarterback and the fullback. The other one was a pretty uh, high pitch that the B back couldn't bring down or sorry, the A back couldn't bring down, but Jordan Venziel pounced on both of the loose balls. You know, it when you make teams drive and you don't give up those big plays, you get those opportunities and you got to take them and army isn't going to give you that many. And the opportunities that they presented those two fumbles and then the interception late that Bryquise Brown got uh, where he basically looked like the wide receiver and the uh, wide receiver interfered, but not well enough to stop him from getting the interceptions. Just not at all a play to write home about there for him. Um, They took care of those opportunities. Like those might've been really the only three plays where any ball got put in danger and all three of them resulted in turnovers. And that's how you've got to play against a service Academy like that. And you know, that's to say nothing of, bowing up first and goal at the six when this is an army team that makes their money in short yardage, short fields. I mean, 260 pound fullback that he was playing hurt and he was grinding. And at, in that second half, the front started winning for army in a way that they weren't doing as much in the first half, but made those plays, you know, the fourth down play by Shamar McCollum and Antavius Lane underneath is going to get all the headlines. But I also want to shout out Thomas Gore for absolutely leveling the quarterback, diving for the end zone on the second down play that made it third and goal at the one. They stuffed him on that play to set up the fourth down stop. 
And then that was kind of the first, aside from just a big play on the defense side of the ball, it felt like a game-breaking play that there hadn't been on that side of the ball. And it, it's, it's something that Coach Elliott talked about and Jordan Menziel talked about after the game, that like it feels like that can be a jumping-off point from the team's perspective and also just for the defense specifically for having that type of play and making that type of stop when they needed to because you know they had blown you know it'd been a one score game after they'd led by 17 17 14 georgia state gets the ball back jam williams gets a nice run on the first play of their next drive but fumbles at the end of it and so army gets it just shy of midfield and so everything was going against them and it's been a situation where they haven't been able to take advantage of those opportunities to get the stop they needed to. You know, the defense didn't get the shot, the stop at the end against Charlotte, but they made the chance happen this year. You know, they made their opportunity happen this time, and it really won them the game. It absolutely won them the game. And I think the 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 important part to me, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but the important part to me was those three opportunities, Georgia State only scored seven points after them. Now, when you get turnovers, you obviously want like points off turnovers is such a critical statistic in football, because if you're giving your your offense more opportunities to score, that's good. The only the only time Georgia State scored off of a turnover was after the Brightquist Brown interception, the Tucker Gregg run at the end of the game. You know, it was like the second play of that drive, if not the first. Um but, you know, if you go in and, and if you look at if you just look at the drive chart, you can really see just how how much the defense gave the offense an opportunity to win. You know, the first play of, or the first drive of the fourth quarter, Jam has that very unfortunate fumble after that big play. And, you know, I, I don't want him to be in the doghouse because truthfully, it was a really good run. He had a great game. It was just a very unfortunate play. That was the drive that we're talking about where Army kind of got down to the red zone and Georgia State's defense forced them to do something they have not done army that is this entire season army had gone to the red zone eight times in the 2022 season they were seven of seven on touchdowns and they've kicked the field goal georgia state stopped them on the one and you know what the next drive georgia state had a three and out they punted the ball away but after that army still wasn't able to move the ball on georgia state that was when they turned it over on downs i think that was the fake punt that was the fake punt we yes. can talk about this now if you want we should talk yes. about it at some point because <laughs> The process there from Jeff Monken, which he himself talked about in his own press conference saying, like, that was a mistake. I mean, brothers. So setting the scene, if you weren't watching the game, it was a fourth and 11 from like the 40. And they do a fake to the up back who gets hit about at the line of scrimmage and doesn't get that much further than that. And so instead of maybe punting and pinning Georgia State back, which they had just done successfully, you know, after that fourth down stop, Georgia State did have to punt inside their own end zone again because Army got the stop and Army got good field position because of that. Instead of doing that, or instead of leaving the offense out and just like trying to draw defensive pass interference, if nothing else, uh, taking it out of your offensive hands there, I definitely question the process. Georgia State was the beneficiary of it, made it count, and you know, but even before that, you know, I, I want to give you time also to talk about that special teams decision. You know, Jeff Clark and Jamil Muhammad got a tackle for loss on the second down right before that, that set them up in third and 10, the third, then the third down play, Tyler scrambled to the right, didn't have anyone open and kind of stumbled, but Venzial was there. He wasn't going to get the first down anyway. And so talking about plays, the defense made 
in a game where you're not getting opportunities to just go after the quarterback, that tackle for loss was close runner up to getting a stop on fourth and one at the one. And it just set them behind schedule. They couldn't recover. And the other thing about the defense just throughout the game, 11 passing yards given up. They only had 98 last year against Georgia state, but they picked their chances and they found guys wide open and there just weren't those opportunities today. And so that's a credit for the back end of the Georgia state defense, not getting caught out because army isn't going to pass it very much, but when they do, they're going to try and be clinical and catch you look, yeah, you know, when you're peaking in the backfield, and none of that happened today. None of that happened in that game. Yeah, and you're right. The credit absolutely goes to them. I think the the box play for Georgia State was incredible. You know, I saw there were a lot of obvious passing situations for Army, and you could definitely see the way that like Quay and the other cornerbacks changed exactly what they were supposed to do because they knew the situation they knew that you know last year okay we got beat over the middle sometimes on those surprise passes but now we're in a passing down and we know that they their army is a fast team objectively you know like you can't run this type of offense without a bunch of fast skill players so you know that means they have fast receivers even though they don't throw the ball a ton those guys might be a little bit smaller than you know other wide receivers that georgia state has seen but they're still fast and you know the second Secondary did a great job. And it's just, I'm so glad that there was this defensive performance because they were on the field for 38 minutes. 38. And, and they, the big they, plays happened near the tail end of that. Like, right. really stepping up, getting that goal line stop after being on the field for what was most of that second half at that point. All that was was guts. And it's. You know, it's it's been in a very up and down year for the defense because, like we've said, there's definitely talent on this side of the ball. But they've been getting they've been either getting teams to third down and then they don't Georgia State doesn't make the impact play, or teams have been better about beating Georgia State on their schedule on first and second down to make to negate it. You know, that's what Coastal did. That's what Charlotte did. You know, like I think the, the impressive thing about Charlotte was they just kind of took Georgia State's pass rush completely out of the game. Coastal, they just took Georgia State's pass rush completely out of the game. So there was no way for Georgia State to make those impact plays. And, you know, that's that's hurt them. That's hurt them. It hurt them in the UNC game. It hurt them against South. Carolina but today was the first time you kind of saw okay Georgia State's gonna make a play and you know to your point about McCollum he had two tackles <laughs> one of the tackle and like obviously it's a run team so everybody's gonna be you know grouped in for most of it it's just you know body scraping down there but he he it's you can't even say that he played a stat filled game. I don't want to say it was a bad game because that's not true, but it was guys like Jordan in the middle who are reading run stoppers. It was guys like Jordans. Jordan Jones. I was There's about to say now. Yes. Jordan Jones. Have to go last name on the <laughs> linebacker discussion from now on. That's true. Um, you know, Benzial was the one I was referring to first because I wanted to give Jordan Jones his own moments. Um, I thought he played incredible. Um, those guys were the ones who were sucking up all the tackles, but then, you know, guys like Shamar McCollum making those stops when it matters most when army was going that way. So, you know, I think it was a very important game for the psyche of the defense. And while the style of play that they'll see this week is different, I do think that there, there has been enough that I've seen from them in coverage at times this year to make me think that this is a good jumping off point. Yeah, and you know the other thing about the defense is just they gave up some yards. Like Army controlled the ball in the second half, and even in the first half, 
they got those drives into plus territory and then had the turnovers. So they were putting drives together. They were staying on the field. They ended up with 354 rushing yards, 5.1 a carry, which, you know, those aren't going into the game. If you had told me that's what army would do, especially if I didn't know how well they were going to play in the passing game, it might've given me some concern, but they only gave up 14 points. So at the end of the day, all those rushing yards amounted to was a lot of empty calories and you can live with that. And that's ultimately when you're talking about Ben don't break as a philosophy, it's not like, Oh yes, we want to give up these yards. But the idea is that it's really hard to drive. It's a lot easier if you can get really big chunks and get big plays, which is, you know, they were giving those up in the beginning of the coastal game and they got that under wraps. But by the time they were able to do that, they had kind of put their entire team behind the eight ball and they could never recover. They lost that game by 17 in this game. Really the only big plays were they started uh, army started realizing that QB runs were working really well, especially in the second half. And they busted a couple of long ones, but quarterbacks, I think there was a 36 yard run and a 21 yard run for each of the quarterbacks. No other person had a run for more than 15 yards. And so even army who, yes, they are drilled to, you know, take it four yards at a time and take slow methodical drives. They showed you with the turnovers they made that it's not going to be that often, but they might give you those opportunities. It's still hard for even them to put together drives down the whole field. And so the thing to take forward from this game and from the other defensive performances where you feel like they played pretty well, you know, your South Carolina's in that game, even for a large part of the North Carolina game, when the defense isn't giving up those big chunk plays, theoretically, they're in a pretty good spot. And that's how it worked out in this game. And the other element of it that was new was the timely turnovers, which we saw last year. Some of it is, you know, the way the ball bounces, but the way it was happening all through the end of last year, it felt not like just the luck of the draw. It felt like a skill that the defense was starting to harness. And so if they're able able to start tapping into that like they did during the last six games last year last eight games last year i mean that's when we saw the defense at its best and so that would be an encouraging thing to continue to see and last to that quarterback point honestly that was just about tyler and ballard just kind of being like the running backs aren't being as helpful i'm gonna take this myself and they were shifty they got good blocks on the outside too when, when they were you know kind of feasting out there like that especially that big run that tyler had so I mean, plays like that happen. They they had they have a good offensive line and really started winning. So, but yeah, I I think the direction of this defense fine. And I believe there was a moment last year too. Was it the? I believe it was the Louisiana Monroe game where it was just kind of like, yeah, you put together your first like real good defensive game, and then from there they just kind of took off. And hey, now is as good a time as any to have something like that happen for them this year. So. Yeah, I think that going into the year, having any kind of comparison to like, this was the game that everything started clicking again would have been a disappointment just because the idea was avoiding a one and four start. And, you know, it's literally the same. Here we are at one and four. And it's an, you want it to feel the same where it can be the jumping off, point kind, jumping off point, kind of like that ULM win was on the road. And I think you're right. There's something to it. And, you know, we'll see going into this game and the rest of the year, there's obviously still many challenges ahead, but I really don't think you can overstate how important getting in that win column is because they're feeling it as much as the fans who have been disappointed with it as well. Like it's not a thing that it's just like the fans are upset. Like, you know, that 
meeting times, looking at these games that have gone not their way and just practice. Like it's not as fun when you're coming off of a loss that you feel you shouldn't have had or a loss that you feel you let opportunity slip by. And so they just got to bottle this energy from where they're feeling right now, the excitement and take that forward. We saw them do it last year and it worked out. So I, I think we've seen this team do it. It's a harder schedule this time, but it's a, it's a harder schedule. And you were hoping to be front runners this time. And you were hoping to not have to do this again. But even if they can tap into a similar energy this year, I think if it leads to the good results at the end, you table that other conversation because you feel better about what did happen. And then you go to how do we get this going from game one? Well said, uh, you know, I guess we should finally talk about the offense. You know, they they did play a game of football on Saturday and they played well. I mean, Darren Granger's good. Like, I don't I don't know what uh, I don't know what else that you need to hear for me. Like that. I can I don't know what I can show you to prove you that, but he is good. And this was the first game the running backs really, to me, looked like how they were supposed to look like. And yeah, I'm cheating a little bit because that 56-yard rush by Tucker at the end there uh, was definitely uh, definitely pushed the numbers in an even more positive light than it otherwise would have been. But when Jam had that 33-yard touchdown, it really looked... I, I think he got touched like once at the line of scrimmage and then just shook a guy off and straight to the end zone. I commented like to myself, I was like, I feel like that's the longest rushing touchdown of the year because last year, while it wasn't the Trey Barnett home runs of home runs, Georgia State was still good at getting those really lengthy runs and converting those into touchdowns, you know, just finishing off the play. And so far this year, there have been some long runs, but they weren't getting in the end zone. Guys were getting cut off and defenders were just being able to catch up to them. But this was the first game where it was actually true that they just got to top speed and weren't going to be denied the end zone. And even then, you know, like I, the, the way that Georgia state is running right now, it looks on paper to be the very few teams are going to stop them. You know, I know last week they had what 78 yards, a little bit of that was game situation. You know, Coastal just kind of took a lot of what Georgia State wants to do offensively out. But, you know, you saw it. You saw that gutsy third down play at the end of the game. When Georgia State is running the ball effectively, their entire playbook is in front of them. And, you know, the touchdown to Cradle, like, yeah, he, you know, that those plays are just the one guy's running a route. Everybody else is doing something. And, you know, the the whole point of that play is to just say, all right, Jakaius, Go beat your guy and, you know, we have a first down. Obviously, they got a touchdown off of it. But the, the whole point of that play is, you know, you sell everything to where one guy can get open. And that's, you know, that's their Georgia State is finding ways to win in a variety of ways, even though they have only won this game. Yeah, and I think the running thing starts. I mean, I, I think the running backs had good games. Uh, the fumble aside, Jam looked as good as he has this year. Tucker looked good even before getting his long touchdown that broke the record for uh, the school for the program history. The other factor of it is that the offensive line looked as good as they have, and it was a shakeup. Uh, Bryson Broadway was back after missing the Coastal game. Travis Glover had been playing left guard, but he kicked out to replace uh, – the still injured Jonathan Bass at right tackle. And then they brought in Luis Cristobal, who was making his first career start to play left guard. And it took a little bit of time. Uh, there was the turnover on downs in the first half that 
it was kind of the same old problems at the beginning of this year that Georgia State's not really been winning in the short yardage situations. And that's still something to kind of take a note of that they've got to get back to because that is ultimately going to be the difference for them in red zone execution more times than not. But it settled in and you started seeing a lot of those holes that you're used to seeing. And like you say, I mean, like that jam touchdown we've seen like 10 times where guy just hits the hole at the line of scrimmage and there's no one in the middle of the field to stop them. And when this jam, you really don't have a chance to stop him because he's got that break, you know, that breakout speed. And it was good to see those play. Even the Tucker one, like obviously you're not going to get the game circumstance where you have them playing so hard for the turnover that they just evacuate the middle of the field. But it's still good to get a couple of those in the bag and get both of those guys a long touchdown to feel good about. Even the jam fumble. Like, yes, obviously army was able to catch up to him because they didn't abandon the middle but that's just i've always likened jam to just one of those people you just put him on the ground and he's already at top speed like he doesn't need to warm up to get there he he can accelerate to top speed just when he starts running and if you don't touch him he's gonna go for 25 yards that's what made that fumble so unfortunate because he was in the open field and they did catch him because they just crashed their safeties over and you know he he wasn't able to hold on to the ball, but you're right. It looked like vintage jam even outside of the touchdown. And that's, that to me has been key because I know I've been a harsh critic of the offensive line. They did play well in the second half. I, you know, I will concede there. Um, not concede. I, I will applaud them there. I'm not conceding anything. <laughs> um, they did play well in the second half. They absolutely did. But when they're playing well, the short yardage game is better for Georgia State. Georgia State has enough firepower to get those home run balls, to get those like that Tucker touchdown. And we haven't necessarily seen it this year. And some of that's been on the running back. Some of that has been on, you know, just kind of the defenses that they're playing. But when they're finally able to dominate in those short yardage situations, like I said, the playbook just kind of opens up completely. Yeah, and... I don't know that Army is going to rank in maybe even the top two thirds of the defenses Georgia State will play. They lost a lot of talent from last year. And, you know, from the start, one thing I'll always say to people is not to overreact to the script drives at the beginning of games because it's the best plays each offense is putting out there. Like there's a reason that that's the plays they're running. And so usually even if a team goes on a touchdown drive on that drive, rest of the game, they might struggle more because once they get into the game flow, it doesn't go as well. But from the script drive this game, I just took away that Georgia State was getting what they wanted to offensively. Like, And the reason that I felt okay taking something away is because they were getting just chunks of yardage on just power run. Like, It wasn't like they were breaking out any new looks. It was what they were going to be wanting to do all game, and they were having success with it. And between the 20s, the offense basically did what they needed to. Red zone execution left them down a couple of times. The opening drive, they got into the red zone, false start, backwards play, bad snap on third down, and they had to settle for a field goal. Uh, aforementioned turnover on downs that, you know, at that point it really could have been 14 nothing, and you would have felt even better. They still managed to get another two touchdowns in the first half to make it 17 nothing, And so you didn't face the punishment from not taking advantage of those. But any other game this year that could have happened, and you've got to make those opportunities count. And it happened again in the third quarter. Uh, on the one drive that you mentioned they had in the third quarter, they looked incredible for about five, six plays and just took chunks. I was live tweeting and I was getting behind live tweeting because it was bang, 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 bang. And they were in the red zone before you could blink. 
and then it stalled. And then the missed field goal, unfortunate, can't have missed field goals there from that close. But it almost didn't matter because you were up 17-7 at that point. And so even if he makes the field goal, it's still a two-point, uh, two-score game. If you get a touchdown there and reset the momentum at 24-7 at that point, Army maybe still keeps what they were doing on offense going, but then even if they go down and score there, it's they just made it a 10-point game again. And it's not, oh, it's cut to three, and it's down to the end. And Like I said, in the end, I don't know that it was a bad thing that the team had to battle as long as they did to get this win, but there's also something to be said about putting games away earlier when you're able to. And they definitely had a chance there in, in the third quarter with that misdrive in the first half with a couple of possessions that didn't end in touchdowns, only one of which ended in points. Uh, there, there's been, there were opportunities left on the field. They've had nine touchdowns in their 16 red zone trips on 2022. And that's just too low a number. I think it's 11 of 16 just scores overall. And that's also too low a number, but smaller sample you know field goals are still something i guess you could say but only scoring just over 50 percent of touchdowns on your red zone trips is just not going to get it done especially because this team wants to make it happen in short yarded situations and so when the field gets shorter even if the playbook gets limited to those run plays and it's third and short like you still coach Elliott is going to call those plays because he expects them to make them happen and it's not been happening in that regard as much, but because you were hitting on the big plays, you were able to you 33 yard touchdown and two fifty yarders late in the game. It didn't matter in this game, but certainly still something the offense is going to have to look at going forward because that is going to come back to bite them. If they aren't able to start cleaning it up in the red zone. And it's, it's weird to complain because if you look at the drive chart for Georgia state, the only time Okay, so you got to throw out the three plays that they ran before the half after. Um, yeah, throw it out. You know, Don't throw that out. out. Yeah, truthfully. Um, you got to throw that out. You got to throw out the two at the end of the game. Georgia State punted only once. And, you know, the jam drive was a one play drive. He fumbled, you know. Uh, every other drive was, if it was under like seven plays is because they scored <laughs> you know you had the touchdown in the first half you, sorry you had the two touchdowns in the first half you know the 15 play drive was that you know turnover on downs couldn't convert on the short yardage stuff there was the field goal there was the other the eight play drive the field goal attempt like georgia state's offense it could have been cleaner. The execution could have been better, but like you said, they kind of had their way with Army's defense. They, they did what they wanted, and you know, I think it, like we said, it was it was close because they got that they punted after they got that red zone stop, so it looked way worse than it needed to be. But every other drive, they you know, they kind of did what they wanted to do. And the other part about the running game and why getting these big runs is so important. The passing game, I feel like, can be even more of a weapon. Like I, I know that it's we've been on a journey this year. Uh, the twenty-four percent against South Carolina, like it's looked like it was just as bad as it's ever been. Um, it's gotten better since then. And this game, Darren only threw it twelve times. There were a couple more dropbacks that ended turning into scrambles. So probably about like fourteen or fifteen pass plays were called. In truth, he connected on eight of them, eight of twelve, efficient. 
two thirds of his passes completed. And the big shots have been there. And Georgia State's got three guys they really trust to make plays downfield in Thrash, Cradle, and Lewis. And it's a situation where there's not a lot behind them that have got experience. Um, and there's been some injuries there that they've lost some guys. So it's a pretty thin group as far as who's been out there on the field. But I really don't know how you would rate them one, two, three. And whoever is three is one of the better three receivers in the conference. And I think you're seeing Darren get more comfortable making the deep throws. I think he knows more often than not, you're going to have situations like cradle had that he just beats his guy off the line and he is open and he's just got to put it on him in stride and it's going to be six. And so when you have that option, which hasn't been there as much, even on some of the other good Georgia state offenses of recently, you've got a whole nother level you can unlock to this offense to where you've got the ground game going to where teams are having to honor that stack the box, take their safeties away. Don't give any help on the outside. And you've got the guys on the outside that can win one-on-one and have big plays happen. And a quarterback that is making those throws, that's the combination that, you know, the shots are there more often than not. The shots were there more than they took in this game, but the run game was working. So you kind of excuse it, but they took them when they needed to. And I said it off the start, just absolutely loved the call going for that home run. Even if Army gets the ball back with a timeout, they weren't doing anything packing the ball. So if they were having to get out of their base offense, it's one of those things where the risk was worth the reward because you needed to go for the home run there. You, you weren't going to... It, you didn't need to risk it on running a third and five, and maybe you get five yards, but maybe you come up short and you have to punt it. Go for that shot there. I absolutely love the conviction in the call there. and. They obviously executed it, and that play got them really over the line. The Tucker play was just another extra bonus at the end. Yeah, I mean, they they could have won it after the cradle catch and touchdown, and it would all would have been fine. The interception and the Tucker run was just stat padding at this point. And now, like I said, victories make the Monday feel better going into this week, some momentum, and just – more than just having the positive momentum, it feels like all that negative momentum and just another loss and another loss piling up is stunted. And it just feels like this really can be just exactly what happened last year. Now it's just going to be about making those plays week in, week out. Coming up this weekend, that team down south comes into Center Park Stadium, 2 p.m. Saturday kickoff time. Uh, Georgia Southern Eagles, coached by Clay Helton in his first season, coming to Saturday's game with a 3-2 and record. Helton is 49 and 26 all time as a head coach, counting his seven years in charge of USC. Kelton has brought a more traditional pass first offense to the borough and has had success with it early. Thanks to grabbing transfer quarterback Kyle Vantries from Buffalo this offseason. Vantries is averaging 314 yards per game so far and led the Eagles to a 45 42 upset win over Nebraska in what would be Scott Frost's last game in charge of the Cornhuskers. The most important stat in this game, all about bragging rights, is that State holds a 5-3 all-time record over Southern and will be looking to make it three straight wins in the rivalry series this Saturday. So, uh, not really used to seeing Georgia Southern throw the ball and be good at it, so that's uh, that's that's my first observation, but I, I know you guys have a lot more actual stuff to discuss. What you got? No, I mean, we can start there. It's definitely weird, and it's definitely working, and I think that Getting Van Treese was really important for Helton year one because he's still going to have work to do fully getting like the personnel he wants to run the offense, but he got the quarterback and 
the receivers have been better than maybe you would expect for a team that's been running a lot of run first stuff. He's got some play worker playmakers, you know, Jones and Burgess have been stepping up for them on the outside. And they got the signature win. And I feel like they're above schedule for where I expected them to be because I thought this might be a, a hard transition. And so getting the quarterback in place has made that easier. You know, there, there is two parts to this though, because the other part about Vantrese is that he has been very prolific passing the ball. He's also thrown seven interceptions. And I think the number is that he's had 12 turnover worthy throws in his last three or four games. And so as Georgia State's looking into this game and the defense and the secondary is looking at this game, they've definitely got to be more prepared for quick dropbacks and quick throws than they were against Charlotte because that's how Charlotte absolutely killed them. But it might be a game where a guy like Antavius Lane gets to add to his turnover tally or Quay White keeps adding to his 2022 list. There's There might be opportunities in the passing game for how much they're dropping back and that he does sometimes put the ball in harm's way that that might be an important thing in this game. I will say this will be an important game. The turnover margin may be more than most because if the turnovers are there for State's defense, it'll set the offense up nicely. If they're playing clean ball, offense for Georgia Southern doesn't get those opportunities. You know, it, it kind of is that give and take that, you know, literally give and take away that more than not, because Georgia State, we feel like is going to try and run the ball if they're able to shorten the number of possessions Georgia Southern has or get some good field position for the offense with those turnovers, what might be, might make the difference. Yeah. The thing that is impressive, I will say if I can give that school a compliment, um, they have been good at passing the ball, you know, 330 passing yards per game. That's not nothing to, to, that that's really good. You know, they lead the Sun Belt. The other impressive thing is Ventris has been sacked twice, um, which one, anytime you've been sacked twice in five games, that's good. You know, you want that. But the other part of that is, and I guess the, you know, the kind of point of emphasis for Georgia State is that tells me he has probably not been pressured a ton of times. And he still has seven interceptions. You know, this is going to be a game where you might not get Ventries on the ground if you're the Georgia State defensive line, but he wants to give Georgia State the ball. He's, that is the nature of gunslinger quarterbacks sometimes, and Georgia State has to find a way to get off the field via interception, via fumble, you know, you know, get a lot of pass breakups, whatever it is that they need to do to get off the field. Because yes, there are talented receivers on this Georgia Southern team. I can't believe I'm saying this. Are we are we being punked? I feel like we're being punked. Um, anyways, <laughs> there are talented receivers on this Georgia Southern team, but Ventrese has been careless with the ball. And, you know, this is a Georgia State team that's been kind of ball hockey over the last couple of years. Like interceptions are not necessarily a problem for them. Um, at least they've gotten one, you know, the last couple of games, even even though they've lost. But I believe they've gotten one in every game. We're checking. They did not yeah. get. Yeah, they've got one every game. I, yeah, I they, forgot about the the best one, which was the one that resulted <laughs> in a touchdown against Coastal because that was the one the second half late on. But yeah, interception in every game, including against a team that only threw it eight times and doesn't throw it that often in Army. 
Exactly. And so Georgia State's going to need to do that again. They're going to need to find a ton of plays, you know, on the defensive passing side of the ball. But with the way that they played last week and the way that they have played in other games in that regard, you'd probably say, well, Southern's going to want to still run the ball. And, you know, other teams kind of passed on Georgia State. And, you know, I think that is certainly a concern. But I think there are, there have been times when the secondary has been healthy that they've shown you that they can kind of run with the best of them. Yeah, and the other factor uh, offensively, which is another impressive thing given that they've passed more times than they run. And this is usually something you associate with a team that's, running the ball and staying on schedule, they're fourth in the country right now in third down conversion, just under 58%. And Georgia State has been really good on fourth downs. They're three of 11 defensively, forced eight turnovers on down so far. On third downs, a little less good, 46%. And that's a number that's got to get better. Similarly, the offensive numbers have gotten better from the low start they were at, but Third down is going to be important there as well, getting another week, getting going. And, you know, that is something that I look at this game and Georgia Southern on the, you know, without looking any deeper than just the raw numbers, there are about 28 points per game allowed on defense. But if you take out their 59-7 win over Morgan State, their points per game allowed is almost identical to Georgia State's, which is to say both have struggled, both have given up more points than they'd want to. And, when you look at Georgia Southern's defense, it starts with they've given up over 200 yards per game on the ground, 5.43 yards per carry, which is something that lines up with what we think Georgia State's going to want to do. And so Georgia State is going to have to take advantage of that, build on the offensive line performances last week, and they might have the opportunity to hit on some of those big plays on the ground game, get some more big touchdowns, flip the game's momentum like that, and then it was kind of the reverse for them. They have a common opponent. Each team's played Coastal. Each team lost to Coastal. Georgia Southern, closer at the end, they ended up losing 34-30 on the Myrtle Hurdle, which you have, if you haven't seen, absolutely need to go check out that play. CJ Beasley jumping over a guy for the go-ahead touchdown for the Chanticleers. But it was kind of a reverse of the game with Georgia State and Coastal because Georgia State got hit really quickly with two long plays that gave Coastal a 14-0 lead. And when Southern went up to Conway and they played, it was a 7-7 game at the half. And a lot of the big plays were kept in check. And then Coastal hit on five in the fourth quarter, including that run by Beasley. Another one, uh, Jared Brown hit a big touchdown catch for them. So on balance, you ended up seeing the explosive plays and in the passing game specifically given up by Southern, even though they did a better job early Georgia State did a better job late reducing the big plays from happening against a good coastal offense. So it kind of balanced out to where neither had the game they were looking for. They both gave up some big plays. And the way it relates to this game is just that with all the emphasis on the running game, you might have some of those islands again. You might have opportunities for the big three receivers to have some plays. And if they can keep a clean pocket for Darren, uh, Georgia Southern's only allowed uh, two sacks, but they've only gotten five as a team. So maybe it's a game where both offensive lines give a lot of time to their quarterback and the defenses are going to have to find different ways of being disruptive. If you've got those islands, if Darren has time, you know the playmakers are there on the outside to make plays for Georgia State. And so might be another week where, you know, they can control the 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 uh, time of possession maybe a little bit better. You can go into this game maybe thinking you can win it Whereas with Army, it was kind of like maybe you don't try too hard to be 
clock control because that's what they do best. If you can get them off the field on third down, that'll help with that. If you run the ball well, that can help with that. But also the thing that I wouldn't want to get away from is not trying to be explosive. Like if the shots are there, I feel like they should start looking for them earlier in the game. If I could say one thing about the offense, because playmakers have been making plays and you know, a 60 yard touchdown is better than a drive that doesn't end in a touchdown. And so I would definitely be interested to see as they've seen more success in the passing game. And as teams now have to worry more about the running game, kind of see where that balance strikes and what opportunities are there and when Georgia state's willing to take them in the passing game, because you know, they only threw 12 times against army. I feel like if that number bumps up to 20, you're still doing a lot in the running game and you're still leaning on that as your bread and butter. But you know, if you're running eight more plays like that and you have some shots mixed in there, that could be the difference between 157 passing yards what they had against army and something in the two hundreds hitting some big plays and continuing to shift the momentum of the game. And the other thing too, is turnovers. You know, I think Georgia state's kind of gotten away a little bit the last three weeks from good disciplined, controlling the ball on offense. Um, they last week they were better about, you know, the defense stepping up and, you know, forcing turnovers, which is great, but the, they've been a little bit turnover happy in terms of the losing the ball the last three weeks. Seven of their eight turnovers on offense have come in the last three weeks. It's not great. And, you know, you got six against both Charlotte and coastal combined. So, you know, Obviously, those kind of skew a little bit one way or the other, but Georgia Southern is not a team that, you know, gets a ton of turnovers. You know, four of their six turnovers this year came against Morgan State. And, you know, obviously, you know, whenever you play an FCS school, you got to execute. They did their job that day. But in the four FBS teams that they have played, they've only secured two turnovers, a fumble and an interception. Georgia State's got to take advantage of that. They've got to be able to keep control of the ball, keep the offense on the field. And, you know, like we said, Ventrese wants to give them the ball. Make them pay for that. You know, make make those turnovers hurt in a way that I think they didn't last week, but we're still effective. But, you know, if you are scoring off of those turnovers and you continually put their offense in a position of pressure, good things usually happen. And like, look, they could win this game be two and four and then still lose next game to app. And there's a couple more tough games on the schedule that it, the hole they dug themselves are going to make getting to six wins harder to say nothing of competing for the Sunbelt East, which was the preseason goal. But this win can matter in a different way, because if you can make it six, three in this series, when before any game was played and especially after one game was played and it was a Southern blowout, so much smoke was had about, you know, States not going to compete in this series. I'm not saying anyone's going to forget poor results on the field if the season doesn't continue to turn around. But all I'm saying is if you can at least point to the rivalry win, getting it to six, three all time, I think people would at least be not satisfied, but they would take that away as a positive from the season. I think it's always going to be something that each of the teams is going to take some satisfaction from taking a win off the schedule for each of these, for the other one. And Southern started three and two. They're in a better position. Um, if they win this one, they'd only need two more to get to bowl eligibility. And there's some more options on the table for them to get to that point. If they lose it, it takes a game that maybe they thought they were going to win, maybe takes away 
that they maybe thought they were going to win Georgia State, lose Nebraska, and so maybe that evens it back out. And so, long way of saying, down the line, if Georgia Southern doesn't get this one, maybe they finish 5-7 and seven and Georgia State can also say, look, stop them from getting to the bowl game either. Uh, just, uh, you know, it taking you down with us if we're going down type situation. Um, I also wanted to say that Clay Helton seems to be acknowledging the obvious that it is an in-state rivalry and that it is a rivalry and should be called as such. And I feel like maybe Georgia Southern's going to have more of a leg up than in recent years when they just decided to ignore the rivalry factor and that they're going to be kind of on level terms again. We'll see. But I just, I heard him talking about it. He got asked about it this week. And finally, they're not taking the weird, like we're better than them and they want to be like us. And because that wasn't working out for them. No, it certainly was not. And it still to this day doesn't make sense why the easy, like the closest team to them, it, it doesn't make sense why they said that that wasn't a rival. Yeah. I, no, I it's, don't it's, understand. What, it, they, you know, they can have the app is their bigger rival and that's totally fine. But like when you're playing an in-state team in conference and you're being like, it's not a rivalry, everyone else is looking at you like, what is going on? Like it is just trying to ignore the obvious there and on the field, it obviously wasn't paying anything off either for them. So I guess the rivalry starts anew because they're calling it a rivalry now. So I guess we'll see if they win, if they're trying to restart the clock on the all-time series or not. I guess we'll find out. Hope we don't find out, but. All right. So Georgia Southern coming to town Saturday for the 2 p.m. kick. If for some reason you can't make it to the game, it will be on ESPN3. But the best place to be Saturday will be inside the friendly confines of Center Park Stadium. As always, Brady and I will be there bringing you live coverage and photos from the game. But uh, until then, that's all we have time for this week. We will see you Saturday. And until next time, have a great week and go Panthers.